And joining us on The Morning Show, freelance reporter for the Longfellow Nokomis Messenger, Jill Bogren. Jill, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. So you have an article that's come out in the issue that's available now of the Longfellow Nokomis Messenger about the city's plans to open George Floyd Square and kind of how they decided to get response from the community. How did they reach out to people in the neighborhood and get this input um, from the neighbors and businesses near Chicago and 38th? Well... The article itself focuses on a survey that the city had put together, and this was back in March. They had made known their intent to open the streets for quite some time, and in March put out a survey that went to 4,000 households within a half-mile radius of 38th and Chicago. The survey itself gave two options, both of which reopened the streets in some form or another to two-way traffic. One that would keep the fist sculpture in the center of the intersection where it currently is now forming a roundabout as it is today. The other to move the fist sculpture north onto Chicago Avenue and off to the side. And then when you were talking to experts who really dig into surveys and questionnaires and kind of the stats behind that, what did you find from that research? Well, what was interesting about it was not as much the initial survey itself. What caught my attention and what I wanted to explore further was how the city announced the survey. So essentially, they sent out a survey that had two options. And in announcing the survey, they said that 81% of respondents supported reopening the intersection at 38th and Chicago. And when I spoke to the survey expert, they said that, that essentially that's a misrepresentation of the survey because that's not what the survey was asking. There were only two options, and to group them together like that isn't really a fair way to represent what people had participated in. It had also been already roundly criticized by a community for being only sent to households, and so you already had some exclusion in who could participate in the survey. But what was also really noteworthy and what I communicated to the expert was that nearly half, it was actually 49% of respondents included comments on the feedback line. And this number for that expert was very, very high. And I do want to quickly mention that when I was talking about the survey to the expert, I kept it in very generic general terms. I didn't want to lead or guide the conversation one way or another. So I spoke only to how it was framed, what the results were, and how they were announced. And then what message from residents in the area seemed to be being missed by the city in their reporting on this survey? When breaking it down and looking at the comments, two and a half times more respondents submitting comments were actually calling to keep the intersection closed rather than open it. So none of that is to discount that there were responses in favor of reopening and Mm -hmm. also there were responses where they were giving suggestions for, for different uses of space. But by and large, the most common, most frequent comment really was calling in some form or another to keep the intersection closed. There is a lot of really interesting information in this article that you put out, and it does link to so many comments which were very interesting to read. Anything else that you want to add about the story? Well, I think that it is really important to do this type of follow-through You know, as I mentioned before, I had heard the criticisms of the survey, and when I heard the city's reporting of it, I thought, no, it really warrants a closer look. And I really was very surprised that there were that many comments. But more importantly, the city had put out 
a summary page where each comment theme or type of comment was given the same weight. That also is not quite an accurate reflection of public sentiment. And what I really want to say is the site is still a site that is deeply important to a lot of people. It's a protest site. It's a memorial site visited by people from around the world. And given that this survey to date is the most comprehensive or the single opportunity for people to have input, it seems that there's a hunger there for people to participate and that those voices should be heard and and elevated and some of those findings and sentiments talked about. Absolutely. Thanks for doing all of this research for the Longfellow Nokomis Messenger. Next issue is out December 22nd. You want to talk a little bit about the area that Longfellow Nokomis Messenger covers? Yes, the Longfellow Nokomis Messenger covers the southeast portion of Minneapolis, roughly Hiawatha Avenue over to the river, just north of Lake Street and south to 62. But I do want to mention as well that same publisher has launched the Southwest Connector, which covers roughly west of 35W and all the way north up to the Bryn Mawr neighborhood. Okay and um, as well as the Como Midway Frogtown Monitor in St. Paul. And this particular story was featured in each of those as well. Jill Bogren, freelance journalist, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I look forward to reading more of your work. Thank you so much.